Take your seats. Thank you. Great to have you here in church on Friday night. Who loves being at church on Friday night? I reckon it's great to be at church on Friday night. So um, we're going to go a few places here tonight. And um, I just really believe that the, the, those of you that are here tonight, that the Holy Spirit wants to just do something fresh and new and powerful tonight. And we're gonna, we've made some space over this side today so that we're going to pray for you. The team wants to pray with people after uh, we've heard the, the word tonight. And I just want to invite you to come before we even start to let God touch your life in a fresh and new way. And the Holy Spirit wants to take us all on a, on a new journey, uh, something uh, fresh and alive. And you, I need my clicker. Can someone just pass me the clicker down there, please? That's what I need. I knew I forgot something. But yeah, God wants to do something new. Um, at the start of the week, I had a word from God um, to me for our church, for One Heart Church. And the word, everyone get your notes out ready, the word is grow. Some, someone should know what the word grow means. Hopefully you understand, I'll explain what it means. The word of the Lord for you this year is grow. Tell yourself, I need to grow. To grow means this, it means to enlarge to expand, extend, increase, develop, uh, germinate, advance, improve, progress and thrive. So you need to grow because you need to thrive, you need to progress, you need to advance, you need to increase, you need to extend, you need to germinate something in your spirit this year. I love that when I was reading those uh, those words uh, that mean grow, germinate, such a powerful word. And I hope that from tonight, something will germinate in our church, something will germinate in your spirit that causes uh, an amazing explosion of, of good things in your life. I want to start with a scripture from Genesis. And um, uh, it's a, it's, you might wonder where this is going from. But let me tell you something. God wants to awaken something in our spirits and uh, free us up about some stuff because I think we can over-spiritualize things, but God wants us to be living in the spiritual, but not so spiritual that we miss the point of connecting with our world because that's the whole purpose behind everything is to make us better people and to make us uh, improve the world that we're in. And sometimes we're on a journey of saying, well, it's all about me, God, it's all about me. I'll just, go, I'll just divert for a second. I remember a time in my life when it seemed like all my friends, their dreams were coming true. I know you'll all feel sorry for me when you hear the story. But uh, I remember I had a friend called Carl and I was the best man at his wedding in Brisbane and, and we travelled from Melbourne to Brisbane. I was his best man and, and it was the only time in the wedding I thought we might have to fight our way out of the door because he's sitting next to me just before the service starts and he turns to me before the bride arrives. He says, do you think I really should do this? And I looked around and, and this, this girl's uncles were there and her, her brother who was like a giant. And I said, I'll back you up whichever way you go, but I think we're going to have to fight our way out of here. But his dreams were all coming true. And then I had another friend called Tony. And uh, later on I became best man at his wedding. And I remember dropping him off at the bus stop to, uh, so he could move to Sydney. And, and he had a, a fiancé in Sydney and he was moving up there and they were going to get married and all that. And I remember watching him go on the bus and feeling so lonely and so 
uh, disappointed with life because I thought, well, when... I mean, my turn came. It was the best. Uh, but, but, <clears throat> but I just remember at that point in my life, sitting uh, in, in the, the bus station in Melbourne on the street, just going, well, you know, feeling so lonely and so down because my friends had, had all moved away and gone on their life's journey and their dreams were coming true. And I can tell you today that if you're feeling like that or you have felt like that, don't be discouraged today because out of that depth of disappointment, God will turn those ashes, that fire, that the, the leftovers from the fire into something amazing and something beautiful if you'll trust him with your disappointment today. Well, I don't know why, where that came from, but Genesis chapter 42, verses 1 and 2. It says, when Jacob heard that grain was available in Egypt, and, and of course there was a famine going on in Canaan, and Jacob heard that there was grain available in Egypt, he said to his sons, why are you standing around looking at one another? And sometimes that's the way we, we do church. People stand around looking at each other, saying, nothing's going on around here, what shall we do? And he says, I have heard there is grain in Egypt. Go down there and buy enough grain to keep us alive. Otherwise, we'll die. So they went away and they, they went to Egypt. If you know all the story, we're not going into all the ins and outs of the story. So they went and bought back food from Egypt. And verse 43, verse 1 and 2 says this, But the famine continued to ravage the land of, Egypt, of Canaan. Sorry. When the grain they had bought from Egypt was almost gone, Jacob said to his sons, go back, buy us a little more food. See, Jacob and his sons were clearly or very much not thriving. They were barely surviving. They were just getting by. Maybe they weren't too desperate yet, but they weren't thriving in their calling. And sometimes that's the, the kind of conditions. I want to just relate all this story to the conditions of church. And sometimes in church, we can be going through experiences thinking, well, we're barely surviving. And I want to tell you something as a pastor, we've gone through those stages in the life of this church many times. But I want to encourage you today, we are at a good place in the life of our church. We are at a great place in the life of our church. But what's interesting, Jacob didn't say at that time, we better have a prayer meeting or we need to worship our way out of this. I mean, they're all nice things to do, but sometimes you need to do something that is activating, something that is real, something that can change your situation. Over-spiritualizing when you need help will lead you to, sell, uh, uh, to starvation, which is a slow and lingering death. I'll say that again. Over-spiritualizing when you need help will lead you to starvation. And sometimes people over-spiritualize me and think, well, just, we're just praying for God to fix my marriage. And if it's his, God's will, God's will is for you to have an awesome marriage. God's will is for you to have great relationships. God's will is to empower you to, to be you know, beyond your imagination. You might be thinking, my business is struggling. God wants to be in your business. You start applying the principles of that in, into your business and God will bless it. Whatever, whatever it is that you face, the point here is to grow. If you want to grow, you've got to get help when you need it. And, and too many times people are saying, well, if God would just do this for me, if God would just do that for me, you know, Jacob could have said, well, God, why don't you just provide for us? I've got 12 sons and one's gone, but God, you need to feed these, 
these hungry mouths or my grandchildren. God, why aren't you feeding me? But Jacob, a man of faith, says we've got to go someplace else to get the food. He says, I've heard there's food in Egypt. Go and get some. What are you doing standing around looking at each other? Thinking of whoppers, a stunner. I read this this week, and it says this. It need not be the doctor or the church. It can be both. See, God will provide it, but you have to go get it. And some things can be, we can get help from doctors. I'm not against doctors. Of course, Jansen, I'm promoting you there. But I'm not against that. Whether it's a doctor or, or other things, uh, you know, the funny thing that amazes me when your car has a problem, you don't think twice to take it to the mechanic. And sometimes when we have problems in our life, there are people who can help us, and we've got to take, take it as that um, provision from God to follow those things up and do all that you can and let God do the rest. That's very unspiritual, isn't it? But, but I want us to be a church that is, that, that is powerful and we've got to apply church and, and other things to help us to grow. We could be praying for God to fix our building. God, fix the building. God, why aren't you going to fix our building? Jesus, we're just believing for you to fix the building, but we've got to find the, the resources and the people and start to put our hands to the hammer. See, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. That's in John 6.35. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And we also know that Jesus is the word of God that became flesh. In John chapter 1, verse 14, it says, Jesus became, uh, you know, the word became human, which is Jesus. The word is Jesus. The word of God, which we have today, we call our, our Bible, became flesh. And if we want to know who Jesus is, what he's like and how, how he operates and how we can lock into his plan, we need to know what his word says. And we'll grow according to the level that we give ourselves to the word. I want us to be a word-savvy church. I want for you this year to grow in the word. And I'll tell you what, I've heard every excuse, but my dad had a fruit shop. He wasn't a, he wasn't a very intelligent man but I tell you I used to come home from school and he had his struggles believe me but I'd come home from school he'd be on the steps at the back of the shop with his Italian Bible with the the little Italian um, Bible reading things and he'd be there with his glasses on reading the scriptures and you know something God spoke into his heart and God uh, developed him and grew him into the man that he became but don't be lazy or complacent with the word it is nourishment to grow. The word in you will grow you and mature you and there is no other way. There is no easy way. We might think, well, God, again, God, why don't you just make me spiritual? If I just, if I just uh, be at church all the time and I'm not knocking that, I think that's a, another great platform. There's three things I think that are key for you growing this year is discipline yourself to be in the house of God. Discipline yourself to read the Word of God as much as you can. People say, oh, that's legalism. Well, no, it's not. If you don't water a plant, it just dies. 
We're not, we're not, I'm not into legalism. I don't care whether you fasted or not this week. I don't care whether you came to the prayer meeting. What I care about is that you can determine in your heart as a people of God to grow in 2016. See, the word in you will grow you and mature you and there is no other way. You know, people say to me, oh, but I'm busy. You don't understand my life. I didn't, I didn't get born a pastor. I, I, I worked for, for more than 20 20 years as a tradesman, getting up very early in the morning. I would always have time to pray with Pauline and, and do my Bible study before I left work at 6 a.m., at quarter to six normally. So it can be done. But you know what? I stand here today as the pastor and the preacher because I, when it didn't matter in the wilderness, I disciplined myself. So you might be at school right now thinking, but it doesn't matter. I can say what I want. I can do what I want. God's got his finger on your life and, and he's, he's going to say, I want, I want to use you. I want to use you. Luke chapter 1, verse 80. And there is a verse 80. I thought, verse 80, that can't be right. But it's there. It says this, John grew up. This is John the Baptist. John grew up and became strong in spirit. And he lived in the wilderness until he began his public ministry to Israel. Luke 2, verse 52 Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favour with God and all people. See, Jesus and John the Baptist had to grow first. The two most powerful ministries began in the growing, in the wilderness where John was, where nobody knew where he was. Be committed that 2016 be the year that you grow. And I'll tell you, you know, if you're a department leader here, I don't want you to be uh, uh, concerned about what you're seeing. I know because I felt I, I always feel the pressure, and that's the thing that really shakes me the most when I'm thinking, oh, you know, oh, if we just had more people here, if we just had more people there, you know what? If you just had you, your ministry can boom. If you give yourself to the Word, if you're saying, God, I need revelation, God, I need to know what your Spirit is saying, it could only just be you. Jimmy, it doesn't matter if you're the only person on the music team. If you're saying, God, I'm plugged into you, doesn't, I don't care what the others do. But I tell you, when you start to plug in, others will say, I need that source. I'm inspired by that man. Anything can happen. Here's something I read at the very start of the year, the first two days of this year. It says, we are designed and made by God for growth and maturity. Both are essential for our spiritual well-being. Do you get what I'm saying today? We are designed to grow. It drives, it drives me mental when I see churches where people are saying, I've sat in the same church, I've sat in the same place, I've basically done the same stuff, I'm just the same, this is how we've always done it, this is what we'll always do, and this is just where we're comfortable and easy. That makes me go demented. And it goes on to say this, if we remain spiritually static, we begin to atrophy. And I thought, oh, I better find out what that word means in case someone asks me. It means we waste away. If we remain spiritually static, we begin to atrophy, we waste away, we will become unfulfilled, frustrated and unhappy. And I'll tell you something, there's nothing worse than being in a church full of people that have become uh, unhappy. Because they stop growing spiritually. 
And so they start to notice things like the lights, the carpets, the, the chairs too hard, all that sort of stuff. They start to notice all that because they've, they've allowed themselves to become unfulfilled and frustrated and unhappy. See, the, the lack of spiritual development causes more unhappiness than almost anything. If you're not thriving spiritually, you're a dis, you are a discontented person. I want one heart to be a place of joy and gladness. If you've been here during the week in the prayer times, I've prayed that out a few times. I want our church to be a place of joy and gladness. And I believe it is for many of you. It's a source of life, a place of great joy. And we want to give back. So that when we come here, whatever we've been going through, we find our joy back when we come to church. We find something coming back into us. We're getting filled again by being in the house of God with our brothers and sisters. And we want to give back again because we're not discontented but thriving and growing. That's the kind of, the kind of people God is wanting us to be, the kind of church that God is creating us to be. This time last year, I felt that the things... Limiting the church, which I didn't know what they were, would be exposed. I don't know if you remember me preaching that somewhere along the line. I tried to find it, but I couldn't find where it was. But literally from about August 2015, we saw a sudden change of growth uh, in attendance. Uh, something changed. And it wasn't until early this week where God gave me two words, two spirits that have affected our church for a very long time that God has exposed and, and that has changed. I, I believe, I don't know what the catalyst was, but I believe around about August, something shifted and changed in the spiritual and our church shook off, began to shake off the control, began to shake off the, the, uh, the, the bondage of these two spirits. And that's the reason why I love to start the year with fasting and prayer because Jesus said when there was a deaf and a dumb young boy, the disciples came and said, we tried to cast out this spirit, but it wouldn't come out. And Jesus, you know, he said, ultimately he said, these things don't come out except through fasting and prayer. And I'll tell you something, when we want to have the, sh the shackle shaken off the, 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 the things that constrict the church, we've got to be a people who humble ourselves and fast and pray, and I'll tell you something, the spiritual strongholds can't stay. They are broken. They can't control anymore. So the two spirits exposed that are no longer welcome. They are pride and entitlement. Two words, pride and entitlement that represents spiritual strongholds that have kept our church bound. There have been spirits at large that have kept us small. That was a good little choice of words spirits at large that have kept us small so it means that in in our interactions within the life of this fellowship and i can say that i've been here this is my seventh year i think i've sort of sussed out the, the game a little bit but i'll tell you something it's time for us to move forward and beyond those controlling spirits pride and entitlement pride is this it's a sense of one's own importance, self-sufficiency, and lording ourselves. A sense of one's own importance, self-sufficiency, and lording ourselves. 
Now, the word entitlement means this, the feeling or belief that you deserve to be given something, privilege or special treatment. You know, when it comes to that, you, you think, well, we, we, we don't have a sense of entitlement. Some people have a sense of entitlement that their chair should be there. That's a sense of entitlement. Some people have the thing that, that, you know, that their car park should be there. It's a sense of entitlement. Some people should come to church and think that they should be served. That's a sense of entitlement. Sometimes a sense of entitlement can look like, well, I thought I deserved a promotion, uh, uh, something like that, and it didn't come. So pride is a sense of one's own importance, and entitlement is a feeling or belief that you deserve to be given something. The things that we need to grow and develop in this year, every single one of us here, all, if all of us here tonight began to develop these keys, we will see our church changed overnight. There's, there's, there's probably a bit less than half of what we normally would have on a Sunday morning here tonight. But I'll tell you what, if, if each one of us would grasp this, we will change our church. We will see our church triple and quadruple and continue to grow because we're applying a revelation and we're, we're closing down the supply that's keeping us small. We've got to close down the supply of what's keeping us small. If you're drinking poison and you want to get better, you've got to stop drinking the poison. The two keys we need is humility and service. The Christianese word of service is servanthood. I'm trying to de-Christianese my, my messages, but humility and service will make us great and redefine our reputation. One Heart Church, we've changed our name. We've got to change our reputation. Because I tell you, I, 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 I'm embarrassed when I go places. Christmas Eve, I went, I went to Craig's house. I was talking to people there and it was a really great environment to be with people who you don't know. But, you know, they know us. And they'd start telling me stories about our reputation. Going back beyond when I was ever here. But you know what? It's not a good reputation. hate to tell you. But that's why God's got us here. That's why God's got me here. That's why God's got you here because we're here to change the reputation. And we need to be known for our humility and our acts of service. Our vision statement is, is a prophecy. And I don't want to, I, I, I will not listen to anyone who, who would ever knock out our vision. Don't ever let anyone knock the vision. So if someone says to you, oh, well, uh, I hate hearing it, you know what? You're going to hear it all the time. And I want you to have it. I want to have it tattooed inside your mind. The only tattoo you're allowed to have is that one on your mind. Now, I, to be a large, relevant church of mature believers who love our community. And I tell you what, if I can remember that, anyone can. It's not what we are yet. That's why it's faith. It's not what we have. It's what we are becoming. And we are growing into a large relevant church. You know, there's no point to be a large church if we're not relevant. There's no good being a large and relevant if we don't love people. There's so much in that thing. God really tricked me on that load. But those two words that are opposite to pride and entitlement, 
is humility and service. Humility is this modest, unpretentious, servile, which means serving, unpretending. I love that word. Unpretending. You know, I remember going to a worship thing. Imagine me going to a worship conference. I don't know, what was I thinking? I think I was sent there. And and the, the, one of the main worship teachers there was saying, oh, just fake it till you make it. It's not about faking anything. I don't want us to be faking anything. I want us to, I want us to be unpretending. And it says submissiveness. That's submissive to the voice of God, submissive to each other and to our eldership and things like that in the, in, in the right order in the church. I've said this before. I don't want to control you. I can't even control my own family. So let's get real. It amazes me where, where you get pastors and church leaders trying to control everyone. I'm thinking, control yourself. You can't even do that. Get real. I'm not into controlling anybody. I want to help people, but, but I can't control it. So we've got a, a humility is a modesty, an unpretentiousness, serving, unpretending, and submissive. And serving, service, is we're, we're designed to serve God. Find the place where you fit. I'll tell you some of the two um, most respected men in the ACC that I know is, is uh, Andrew Evans and, and Philip Hills, who've both been here to preach for me, elderly men. And they both came with a message to say, if everyone in the church would find their place and do it, the church would thrive. It's so, so hard. But you, we have, we have you know, per, you know, a large percentage of the church who think it's their thing is not to serve. We've got to find a place to serve. Join a welcome team. Learn to do the sound system. Sing. Play your guitar. Yeah, well, vacuum the, vacuum the church. Come in during the week and help do stuff. That's called service. And, you know, it, it's not, you know, I think it is a lie when people say, my service is in the world. It's not doctor or church. It's, it's not the, the out there and in here. It's all the same. So if, you, if your ministry's out there, then your ministry should be in here too. It's not one or the other, it's both. Don't compartmentalise life. Well, my ministry's to the world and my ministry's there. And you know, I had one person say to me, my ministry's in the marketplace. Explain. That means that I can't do anything at church. No, you've got to have, you've got to have a ministry to the body. That's why God made church. That's why we have church. So service is stewardship. That means a steward looks after something. That's what stewardship is. It's looking after something that's not yours. And God has put something that's not yours in you because he wants to get an increase. It's service is a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice. It's not always easy to come to church on Sunday. It's not always easy to, to think, well, I have to be there a bit earlier than everybody else. It's not always easy, but it's a sacrifice. It's a devotion to or guided by something is service. And our devotion and what we're guided by something, I hope the something is Jesus, that will make a massive difference in, in every other outcome in which we produce. See, we've got to concentrate on these two things. is humility and service. Luke 16, verse 10 and 11 says this, If you are faithful in little things, 
you'll be faithfully enlarged ones. And I tell you, I was here the other night, I don't know what night it was, and I, this scripture came in my mind and I suddenly had that powerful revelation come. But if you are dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. And if you're untrustworthy about worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? I've read that a million times and thought, oh, yeah, yeah, whatever, God. Ever done that? I always do everything. Then suddenly, whew, there it is. But I pray and hope that we can be trusted with worldly wealth so that we can be trusted with the true riches of heaven. I want our church to have millions of dollars. I'm not embarrassed about that. I used to say, oh, I want our church to have $100,000 in the bank at any time. I want us to have millions of dollars in the bank because you know what? If we can manage that well, if we can be, if we can be uh, proving faithful with that, then we can be faithful with the true riches of heaven. So we shouldn't be knocking churches that are, that, that are prospering. We should be saying, imagine, so you know, just think in your mind, just imagine the churches that everybody loves to knock in Australia because they're rich and they, and, and they get on TV and they say, look at all the money they've got. You know what? That means that they've been faithful in little things. They've been faithful and honest and God has given them responsibilities. And if they are untrustworthy about worldly wealth, then they'll be never given uh, true riches in heaven. But I'll tell you something, it's a sign of God's blessing and God's favour when a church is blessed because it means that we're handling that well and then we're actually handling the true riches that are only in heaven. I hope I explained that clear enough. That's the revelation of the century for me. Be committed that 2016 be the year you grow. Philippians 1 verse 9. I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you'll keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure, blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. Mate, there's just so much in that scripture there. I pray that your love will overflow more and more and that you'll keep on growing. You know, that's what I hope to see in your life in 2016, that you will keep on growing. I hope that we can see in the life of our church that we will keep on growing. Be committed. 2016, be the year that you grow. Be the year that you do something beyond your wildest imaginations. Why don't we just stand to our feet right now? And I want to pray. I'm going to ask, we're going to have the team uh, pray with people here tonight as well. Um, and as we pray with you tonight, I want to anoint you with oil. If someone can get the oil out, maybe Michael, if you can get the, there should be some oil behind there. But I want to anoint people with oil as a symbol of the calling, the anointing to be set apart to serve Jesus. And as we allow ourselves to be anointed, we're not, we're not going to manipulate you or anything like that, but if you allow yourself to be anointed, just take them over there. There's a humility in that. That's the first point of humility to think, well, you're not going to pour that on me. What's it going to look like? 
So it starts with humility, but then I want it to launch you into serving. You know, I, got, I was held back for so many years because I thought I was always, I, I, I was not, not good enough to serve. And so I'd go around thinking to myself, well, if I just get right, if I can just stop that habit, if I can just stop swearing, if I can just stop, you know, hurting, hurting other people, then, then I'll be ready for God to use me. And I waited and waited and wasted years until I realized and God spoke into my heart that He's not waiting for me to be perfect, but He does want me to serve Him with all my imperfections, with all my brokenness. And that's the most glorious thing about God is He's, he's able to do that just how we are. Now, I'm not saying that the whole thing about growing is it means we can, we can serve God in certain areas that we can then, as we deal with those issues, we can grow into something else. I'm not saying when I started I should have been preaching because there was areas that would have, um, would have disqualified me from preaching. But there's always the potential if you give yourself to serving God that anything is possible. I know in this room tonight there are people who have amazing ministries locked up inside. It's got nothing to do with with your age or your experience. It's got everything to do with the God who you choose to serve. Be committed in 2016 to be the year that you grow. And as we pray tonight, the team, they're going to get around you. They'll encourage you and have words over you. And I think the spirit of prophecy will flow today. Make the commitment to grow in 2016. We're going to unblock the blockages. Like Jacob, get help where you need it this year. Staying where you're comfortable is a blockage to growing. Humility and service will crown your growing. If you can serve with humility, you know, there's people you know, that we have to deal with. They're serving in the life of the church, but they're not. that's not humility. It's like, why didn't you ring me first? Why didn't you tell me this? You know, that's, that's not as hard of humility. That's something else. But we need to create the environment in this church. And I've prayed this, that, that we know the Word, we know Jesus, that we can smell when something ain't right. And we love each other enough to say, hey, you know, that ain't, that's not the way we ought to be. You know, that's not the way we, we do things here. And we get alongside people. We help them grow past their, their weaknesses and their brokenness. So I'm going to ask you to come as, as Beth leads us in worship. I've made this area nice and big here, but um, you know I don't care if it gets a bit messy, but I've got uh, Pastor Pauline, Pastor Kylie, Pastor Michael. How's all these awesome pastors we've got in this church? And this year, we'll go on the process, and I, I think other people will be uh, promoted to, to um, places of recognition, because that's all it is, is recognizing the gift of of God on people and uh, Jimmy will pray mighty young man of God might get Carlos to lay hands on people he's a mighty young man if you want prayer tonight if you want to respond to growing in 2016 then I'm going to ask you to come and we're going to lay hands on you and we're going to spend some time worshipping and uh, just let the Holy Spirit have some time and uh, it's going to be it's going to be good. And I just can't wait to see the outworking 
of this week's prayer and fasting in the life of our church. You know what? When the, when the devil's exposed, he likes to try and play games. But you know what? We're all wise enough to say we're not playing the game. So we'll, we'll smell straight away. That's pride. That's entitlement. And that's not where we're going. That's not where we're going. So, you know, you'll have people whisper in your ear, well, you, you know, they'll say to you, you should deserve, shouldn't you deserve that? You go, that's entitlement. I'm just, I'm just serving God. I'm just serving God. I'm keeping my eyes on Him. So why don't you come as we sing together? Thanks.